0: the Sunday Morning Linux Review with Mary Tomich, Tom Lawrence, and Tony Beavis as the Beaver.
1: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Linux Review. This is episode 274, Cinco Penguinos. I'm Mary Tomich.
0: And I'm Tom Lawrence.
1: That's right. And the And the reason for our episode name this morning is that this is uh, the weekend of Cinco de Mayo and it's also the weekend of PenguinCon. I don't even think they've done they did that before, have they?
0: I don't think these two things have ever occurred so this is a once in a PenguinCon occurrence
1: (laughs) (laughs) Once in a Penguin's life occurrence Once in a Penguin's life
0: occurrence, we have both things happening.
1: Yes, and uh, those of you who are listening um, to the final version, which will be coming out uh, uh, soon, may notice that there are only two voices that you've heard so far and that's because doing the show this morning as just Tom and uh, Tom and me
0: yep yeah uh, Tony had to be somewhere uh, for his uh, wife's graduation you mentioned before so it is distant from here
1: (laughs) yes yes (laughs) Yes. And then
0: uh Phil had a s- commitments I think. Uh he had a special project uh with work mm-hmm. that was unable to be rescheduled. So maybe so, he'll have some details for us, maybe he won't. He does secret stuff. <laughs> That's right. So so
1: Tom, I guess that uh, allows us then to use the our new name for our duo which is Dynamic Dynamic, Dynamic
0: duo. duo, That's all we have today. All
1: right. Well, let's catch up and see what's been going on. So Tom, I uh, understood that you uh you gave an excellent presentation yesterday.
0: I, I don't know about excellent, but hopefully it helps some people. I, at least I know it helped help one person who's a, is sitting in the front row uh, here because we have an audience for those of you just listening to this. Mm-hmm. And uh, open source video editing, which is in-depth and extensive. So I did my best uh, to try to give people kind of an overview of how to get started with it and start tinkering with it and where to find some resources. So I think it's an important thing is, you know, where do I find more? And I mentioned that there's a lot of uh, YouTube channels uh, out there. If you go and type in like Caden Live, uh, How To, there's some people much smarter than me that have done some very clever things and that's how I learned to do uh, the things that are integrated into my workflow but I shared with some of the tools of how we capture like with OBS and how we uh, how I post-process and how we fix stupid audio problems, because especially I- I'm not an audio engineer. I'm a Linux guy trying to share things so that inevitably needs to, oops, that fan was running while I did two hours of tutorial. <laughs> and things you may want to cut out. Wait,
1: wait, no, I just saw you twirl <laughs> all those buttons, all these little uh, audio things, so it looked, like, it looked pretty engineering to me.
0: I, I, I can fake it. <laughs> I put something <laughs> with knobs and it looks like, I, you know, I probably should do a tutorial on how to set up a mixer board. Because then I could refer to it every time I forget where the plugs go. <laughs> yeah, that would, be, that would be pretty good. You know, it's a driving force behind some of my tutorials. Is it's a better way for me to document how I did something. I had to refer back to one uh, last week. We had an odd situation where we normally deploy uh, these devices pre-setup. Well, one of my guys, uh, went out and installed it not set up. And i'm like there's a way to do it remotely and i couldn't remember how but i made a tutorial on it last year for if you run into this situation we normally don't well somehow we did and uh, my tutorial was very helpful for me (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Yeah,
0: those little nuances and things yeah. like that. Um, other than that, things I did do uh, since our last recording, uh, I had mentioned it that I was moving over to Free PBX. We finally got everything configured and set up on Free PBX for my business. Uh, so I may do some tutorials on Free PBX. What I love about it. What I hate about it. What's um, what's,
1: it, what's it running on?
0: Um, it actually Free PBX runs on. I think it's CentOS is the okay. base of what it starts with okay. a PBX execution. I see people nodding their heads. See, I love when mm-hmm. I have this confirmation of people who know more things than me. <laughs> uh, it runs on uh, CentOS and it's a uh, open source uh, PBX system. It does have some proprietary modules that I will mention out there and it's owned by uh, Sangoma, and this is one of those hybrid things we see, where we see open source projects that you can download and play with for free, uh, but their business model is Sangoma sells phone systems, phone hardware, um, so they want to sell you free PBX or some of the commercial support modules for it. But uh, you, with the free modules, you can just, you do things in a more manual way. All the commercial ones do is not necessarily give you features; they give you convenience. So yes, you can do everything from the more basic templates, but you buy the full version and you can do uh, something you know more with it easy with a cool graphical interface but a great tool we moved our like i guess i moved my company over to it um it's been fun learning and setting it up and playing with all the menus and everything uh it's daunting at first because it's confusing
1: have you made any phone calls
0: well yeah yeah we actually <laughs> uh, we're making all of our inbound outbound calls good and we started filtering all the spammers and we're trying to figure out where to send them uh one of my goals if you haven't heard of this google it because it's hysterical it's called lenny and it's a popular add-on for it and it is a uh it's a whole voice prompt system that uses pauses in a person's voice, and it's designed to catch telemarketers. There's a collection of Lenny interactions where the telemarketer didn't realize he was talking to basically a pre-programmed robot that was to distract him. It's this old man just babbling on, "Oh yeah, yeah, I can do that. I could get my credit card for you," and they, but he never does. Everything is like a lead-up, so these 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 people lose their mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, you know that sounds similar to. There's a guy. Um, he, I think he's on. I want to say it's on Twitch, but maybe that's not the sh- not the video site. But he his name is Kit Boga, uh, and he does. He interacts with these guys that, uh, that call up as, like, Microsoft yeah. support, and he, he strings them along yes. and just does all sorts of crazy things. And, and uh, so. there's a
0: few videos of Lenny doing that with some of the mm-hmm. tech support scammers. Very it's like, good. They just waste their time, and it's great because when you set it up, it can go to a recording so you can post, listen to it later. So it's just it, it's just great, and it doesn't waste any of your time. It wastes their time. And if you're wasting their time, they're not bothering someone else. So you're there doing you a public service. That's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> all right.
0: So what would you do, Mary?
1: Well, um, you know, I, I don't know if I told you, I'd told, told, say you guys, but it's just you, 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 Tom. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'm actually taking Spanish lessons. Oh. So, yeah, I'm going to learn how to say Linux well, in Spanish.
0: Your, your, <laughs> <laughs> your pronunciation of the Cinco de Penguins. Pinguinos. Pinguinos. Si. I like that. See?
1: See? Muy bien. But anyway, uh, that, um, that aside, um, I did um, place an order with System76 for a laptop. Ooh. One of two laptops that I'm going to be ordering. And um, I've also ordered uh, machines from Zarezen who's another Linux um, computer vendor. So, it, And I, my plan is once once that whole order process is complete with System76, I, I ought to just do a little comparison about the whole process because there are differences between the two companies, um, at least that I've seen so far. Yeah. Um, System76, um, System um, they... They don't. They don't appear at least at this juncture to have the flexibility to put on different uh, um, different um, um, distros other than either Ubuntu or Pop OS. Um, when I got my computer from Zarizen, they um, they were I could select from a multitude of. Um, um, Linux uh, OS's. Also, um, I uh, I had a special request for, uh, for them and I had two drives. I wanted to put the OS, my Linux OS on one drive and then use a second uh, driver. Or, or no, it was two partitions and they set that all up for me. And uh, I, I uh, asked uh, System76, I put two, two drives instead of just one single drive in this uh, laptop and I said I'd like to have the home drive on, on the second, or my home directory on the second drive and the OS on the SSD. Uh, they couldn 't do that for me either, <laughs> so uh. when I get it i 'm going to have to get that all set up, which is you know not going to be a problem, but yeah. uh, sometimes it 's nice to have that work done um, But the difference now is that uh, system seventy six has been very responsive to me as far as the things that i 've asked and they 've gotten back to me and the reason um, they weren 't they weren 't bad, but they they just weren 't as responsive, so you know it 's kind of a yeah you know, one side does this better, and one side does this better so... I, you know,
0: and we covered in the last uh, show system seventy six is bring bringing all their mm-hmm. manufacturing back to the u s so that's exciting as well and it's uh it's a that's lot of it maybe
1: why um that may be why my system um is still in assembly, and they told me they told me at the beginning of the week, oh it shouldn't take too long and
0: Yeah, uh, I know they're transitioning. I don't know exactly what It's on a plane. Yeah, it's on a plane somewhere. Uh, But the nice thing is they are becoming a U.S. manufacturer, and they they cited reasons not really because of uh, political or tariff reasons. It's really about uh, iteration of product, being able to be directly in contact with your uh, dev team producing it, and uh, that seems to be an important factor. Great. So we're looking forward to that. That's exciting. Yeah,
1: so... Um, so as far as what I've been up to, that's uh, pretty much it. Awesome. Well, so I think uh, next it's going to be, i um, going to move on to listener feedback.
0: Listener feedback. We want to hear from you. Call 734-258-7009 or email show at smlr.us with your feedback and questions. Uh, first question is: Does a password reset sent to show at SMLR? Does that count as feedback from Twitter? <laughs> i seen the discussion. Uh, that was me. Okay, it was you. <laughs> I didn't see the response. I've seen it come to there. <laughs> we, we have a Twitter, and uh, we're working. Yeah, we just set way.
1: up Twitter, and so we're going to be uh, uh, tweeting actually from it.
0: Yes, and we and we need to mention uh, for those of you listening, we have a phone number that we say, and that's. Wrong, and I probably shouldn't hit the button. We should have listener feedback. Yeah, we'll
1: we can cut that. Maybe cut it out.
0: Yeah, because we got to get rid of the. Uh, we lost the phone number uh, when Tony did some switching, and it's gone. So mm-hmm. we don't have the call in. We never really got that many calls because they always was call in, leave a voicemail, and we would count in into our listener feedback. But uh, moving on from the uh, the Twitter account, <laughs> the password Twitter reset. account, um, the the piece of feedback that I did see has been regard to uh, password managers.
1: Yeah, we had. Yeah, we got uh, several.
0: Bits of feedback. Uh, I think it was a few different uh, from the same person but it was you back mm-hmm. and force on password management and it was uh, related to our security talk now I I have not vetted, and maybe if someone can email us, if they know as uh, someone who's actually gone through and audited the code. So we and Phil uh, have mentioned some of the password managers out there because they're very handy. They're very good for a lot of users. KeePass is a really good one for if you want to keep everything private. But LastPass is more practical to recommend to users. Um, but of course it's closed source, so there's people who have you know different feelings about that. So Bitwarden is very similar to LastPass, and we had some feedback saying, hey, have you heard of Bitwarden? And yes. Uh, uh, a lot of us have heard of it, and but until – I'm not a security expert, so until – even though I can see the code, I don't understand the algorithms they use well <laughs> enough to say they did it right or they did it wrong. Um, LastPass has gone through independent code review and been vetted really well to make sure that they're implementing the cryptography properly. Uh, there was another one, the name eludes me um, – but they had uh someone got excited because it was another open source one that fell almost as quickly as it became popular because the security researcher it took him about five minutes to go wow this is completely insecure because they just didn't implement cryptography properly so although Bitwarden's out there i think it's interesting i'm excited for it but until it's been vetted i can't trust my passwords to it because they were able to like i said security researcher with a brief overview with the previous one that i the name eludes me because it kind of you know went away so quick um yeah, so that's I, I will address that. And we kind of went back and forth in some comments uh, back with the person who had the feedback on it, have you heard of it, um, with the same effect. We wanted to share that with you guys because that's something, just because it's open source doesn't also mean it's secure unless you can understand the cryptography. And this is kind of the same uh, debate that goes with some of the other uh, different protocols to transport data, like Telegram, they have used a weird algorithm, so it's hard to understand whether or not it's actually secure. So that's an important factor to think about in there. Mm -hmm. I think that was really all the feedback we had. Uh, Did you see any others?
1: Um, Not that I uh, can immediately recall. Um, yeah. I, I just know that there was a, a bit of an exchange on the whole password uh you know, that whole password discussion.
0: Yeah, that's all I really had in my uh show notes for listener feedback. Okay. So we will move on to Distro Fever, where we cover the latest hot distro releases and news. Distro watch. So Distro fever. Distro fever, yes.
1: From which we will look at distro watch to make our comments and remarks yes. about various uh, distros. <laughs>
0: talk there about there you the go. New, yeah, some of some of the new things coming up. I hear it in my head. It says distro fever. We check out the latest hot distros. You
1: know, actually um, that with everyone I, here. I was going to say <laughs> that. Uh, I think that was if you scroll back up to the top there, Tom. You'll. Is that blank on up there at the top?
0: Blank on. I had not heard of that one.
1: Yeah, no. Um, um, I um, did. I did a little checking into it, and uh, actually, the the system requirements for that distro are really pretty modest. Um, I think you need uh, two gigs of RAM, which is practically unheard of. I, yeah, um, it's
0: a uh, Debian Indonesian-based distribution mm-hmm. with a custom desktop yeah. environment called Mono. I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna take a look at that. I okay. uh, kind of intrigues me the fact that uh, whenever somebody comes out with a you know a custom uh, desktop environment.
0: Yeah, I, I like to see what they're thinking. You know, see if they laid it out differently, they laid out more mm-hmm. yeah different quirks or ideas we haven't heard before. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that confuses people coming over from the Windows side because Windows are used to whatever Windows makes you use, and us Linux people will all use different desktop environments, so there's like this entire new concept, like, what do you mean you don't just have to use what the distro forced you to use? I'm like, yes, welcome to the world of Linux. Sometimes there's entire distributions that the under the hood is almost all the same, just the interface on top is mm-hmm. uh, what the difference distinguishing are.
1: Of course, yeah. we have
0: the Ubuntu and the Ubuntu release party that we had. So that was. I,
1: I couldn't make it this year, unfortunately. Uh, how was it?
0: Good, good. Was no, there a lot been. of Ubuntu released? Uh, <laughs> yes, there was a lot of Ubuntu released, and I see right, a few of uh, people who went and gathered up their lanyards I, that we see in the crowd I'm kind of curious. Here.
1: Let's ask the crowd. Say, um, of of the people in the room here that are uh, uh, sitting here with us, um, how many do you use either Ubuntu or an Ubuntu-based distribution? And we've got what about three quarters of the?
0: Yeah, most Three quarters in of the here, room, I think. I'm going to say about 75% of you are using Ubuntu.
1: And those of you who do not, I'm kind of curious, uh, what, what do you use? Uh, a lot of times i just using
0: Mac. Mac. Mac, okay. Any Mac. Fedora users in here? Any what users? Fedora, Red Hat, okay. Got Fedora, Red Hat. All right, got two. Seven, seven,
1: seven, seven. How much do you seven. like the uh, partitioner when you... Uh... <laughs> I, I, I actually don't have a big problem with it. There's a
0: yeah, that, okay, said, Well, for like you it
1: might have been a little bit, but whenever I, try, I work so yes, with I it, not, I would not work mm-hmm. the partitioner as one of
0: their strengths. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And uh, for those of you on the podcast, they are saying we're just talking about the difficulties of that, which Mary has talked about before yeah. doing distro reviews.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and once you get past it, it's a fine distro. It's just. Uh, it is. And uh, yes,
0: sir. So I use uh, uh,
1: Raspberry because I
0: use the Raspberry Pi. I'm just
1: curious, how many people have? The, oh, the question was just asked how many people have, uh, have uh, played around or experimented with Raspberry Pi, and I think we had over half the room raise their hands. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe two-thirds, so.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's very good. Uh, and we have a guy with his Raspberry Pi right. right here Friend in the front row. Friend of the row. show, Jay. Friend of the show, Jay. Yep. <laughs> So we also That's a
1: RetroPie he's got.
0: Yeah, he's got the RetroPie.
1: That's pretty cool. We
0: should we got to do an episode. Maybe we'll have Jay come on uh, some Sunday oh, come down yeah. and just do an episode about the RetroPie. He's he's in depth in that and top to bottom from the customizing the case and everything. So mm-hmm. Uh there's a new Kali Linux out, which probably means there's going to be a new Parrot Linux out as well. Uh Kali and Parrot are uh, close cousins because they both are uh, pen testing distributions and so they offer a nice way to get started into pen testing, uh, please, for, I always note, use it on your own network or something you own, uh, but they're pretty neat distributions to start doing application testing and pen testing on your own network. Um, I actually use, and I thought about maybe one time I'll do a review, Parrot I like a little bit better. It comes a little bit more complete. Um, they're not the tools really used by the hackers per se that are pen, actual pen testers, but they're great because they're pre-configured tools with a lot of the defaults, and uh, I use it to test against my own applications and my network to look for vulnerabilities vulnerabilities. It's just an easy way to take and throw everything at it and see if my SQL dumps all my passwords or it doesn't.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and another uh, another uh, distro that was uh, released in the last week or so was I think Bunsen Labs. I took a look at that a couple years ago, yeah. and uh, you know they one nice little thing that they've got is if uh, you have any kind of need for diagnostics, um, what they have is a there's a file that's under uh, Etsy Bunsen Bunsen install it holds the information about the system install method, version, date, and other kinds of things that can help with diagnostics. So. Um, They've got, uh, and they also apparently have uh, simplified the man pages for uh, some of the uh, executable scripts and things that they use. So that's uh, that's a nice uh, addition for their uh, latest version.
0: And there's a new uh, IPFire out. And if you're not familiar with IPFire, it comes out of Germany. It is a uh, Linux-based firewall. And it's pretty neat because uh, it's one of the few ones not a lot of the popularity, and I'm a big fan of the PFSense and the BSD-based ones, but I thought this is kind of cool. It's still uh, a lot of development in the Linux world. So maybe I'll take a look at it sometime. I haven't reviewed any firewalls in a while because I've been just doing so many videos just on PFSense, which is one of those things. It's the Swiss Army knife of... Uh, <laughs> of uh firewalls but I, i'm always interested in seeing some of the other things on there because i know I, I can't remember if it's this one a couple of them had support for uh building in tor and making it easier so you can use it as a tor node which i'm trying to remember if it was ipfire one of the other ones but yeah it's still it, there's still a lot of uh software defined firewalls out there and mm-hmm. i'd like to see if they just keep getting more updates yep i think that's it for the releases.
1: Yeah, and um, I don't know if uh, it makes sense for me to talk a little bit about uh, Pop! OS now or if uh, we want to s- slide that in toward the end. Um, <clears throat> Pop! OS is, of course, the uh, distro that comes.
0: Now's a good time. We're on the distro topic, so let's uh, yes. dig into a little bit of Pop! OS. Now, if um, you're not familiar with Pop! OS, that's from the folks at System 76.
1: That's correct.
0: Their own spin on Linux.
1: Yes and I had a chance to uh to uh, experiment with it uh um the last couple of weeks and of course what they did and the experimentation I did was with 17.10 and uh, this past week they just released uh you know with the, with the uh, release of the latest Ubuntu version and because Pop OS is based on Ubuntu they released uh, uh uh, they released their new version based on that, so some of my uh, material will be a little dated, so I'm not going to go into any great detail. And as I think I said uh, when we were uh, getting ready for the show that I was going to do a little bit of a comparison, I think, between um, between uh, 1710 and 1804 just to um, kind of... Um, See how you know my my take on it. Of course, for people who buy that uh, laptop from System 76, they're going it's gonna come installed if you uh, opt to go with OS, But you can you can certainly download it from their site. Um, I think that they've um, they're only uh, I believe they only have the uh, 64-bit version. You know, and uh, one thing I want to mention too, and looking at some of the, the distros, another one has dropped their 32-bit. There's 32-bit uh, versions of distros are just going.
0: Yes, going the it, way of the
1: buggy whip as It they is say. going away.
0: Um, <laughs> so. yeah. And 64-bit processors are plentiful and inexpensive. You can buy plenty of even used hardware now that's 64-bit. So mm-hmm. it is it's pretty available.
1: Yep. And uh you know, once I um I went through the install process and it's kind of a as I recall it was a two kind of a two-phase install. You do the you do the basic uh, uh the basic install and then there's the customization that occurs afterwards. And one thing that uh was kind of interesting is that uh there's uh, the standard questions about keyboard layout and that type of thing. And then you also have an option to uh, connect your quote-unquote online accounts. Now, you might be wondering what those are, you know, the natural Google, Facebook. Hmm. I'm ready to delete mine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, and they even have Microsoft, so if you want to you do that, so um, you can certainly do that. But they also have things like NextCloud, um, uh, enterprise login, some of the other, uh, media server, if you've got one of those. Um, that's kind of nice, I guess, as far as getting it set up. If you're going to be, um, perhaps, that, if that laptop is going to be part of a larger network and there's some of these other... Uh,
0: I, I um, kind of like when they do some of these integrations. They can be mm-hmm. handy, so you can just be smoother when you're transitioning. So when the OS, not just through a web browser, but the OS itself has some level of integration with an online service, it makes, makes it a little bit more convenient.
1: Yes, and I think uh, one thing I did note, too, is when I looked at 1710, um, after you provide your, your name and your username and all of that, um, I, I believe that um, I also could encrypt the home folder, but I think by default they're encrypting the home folder with 1804, um, which is, is something a little bit different. It was still, I guess, optional back when I w- took a look at 1710, but it's by default now it's um, it's going to be set up that way, and that's just you know, another security Feature which I think is probably a good thing to do. Um, one thing too that they've got is they've got something called, um, they call I actually like the name, it's called Pop Shop.
0: Ooh, Pop Shop, yeah, Pop so Shop. So it has, I'm like, I mean, gonna guess that might I, be a sweet. I merely thought
1: of Fago, which is, of course, <laughs> a local, uh, a local, uh, soda pop company, and they have, yeah. um, their, their swag or their merch, um, uh, site is called the Pop Shop.
0: Ah, okay. So, I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't know they had a merch. Hopefully, site. there'll be no lawsuits, <laughs> <laughs>
1: copyright lawsuits. But yeah. anyway, uh, yeah. So it's called the Pop Shop, and uh, uh, it it certainly has the full gamut of of uh, various applications that you'd want to install from uh, multimedia type things to graphics to. Um, um, well, it actually already comes with um, office install uh, office, Libre LibreOffice excuse me installed so um, but if you, um, if you uh, have a need for some application for some project um, more than likely it 's going to be available in that pop shop also um, they are now um, or they are doing some automatic uh, background updates um, in um, i want to say the firmware which um, kind of caught me by surprise because when I was, uh, I had booted, um, well, I was running it in a virtual box, but um, what I noticed is that there was like this little update uh, icon or a little update notification I got, and then it just disappeared, and I couldn't find it. I looked all over for it, and... Um, it's my belief, um, although I haven't had, a, didn't really have a chance to um, empirically confirm it, that those are probably the background updates that um, System 76 automatically takes care of. Um, aside from that, there are the application updates that you, as a user, have control over. And when you have, um, when you you get that notification, then a little window will open, and then you can opt to uh, uh, individually select your updates, or you can go to the top of the uh, the column and just set, uh, hit Update All. So. So there's some uh, there there is some um, user choice as far as how you uh, handle that. Um, the other thing too is I took a look at um, what um, um, repositories they had, and they pretty much have all of the um, they have all of the uh, Ubuntu repositories, uh, including the security ones, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I did take a look; they've got a couple of things pinned, um, which of course are for some of their custom. Um, some of the custom things that they do, but it really looked, for the most part, uh, from what I could see in my in my quick look, um, kind of a, a lot of or mostly stock Ubuntu with um, with some of their little customizations in there. And again, that pop shop was really kind of kind of uh, interesting. One thing I will note, when I did get my updates, um, there was this um, interesting little window that popped up that indicated that there was an error installing uh, the VirtualBox guest x11. So um, suddenly, then, um, if you're if you're a user who might not be familiar with um, opening up a terminal and running a d package configure a, um, somebody might be a little bit out of sorts. But I went back to the System 76 website, and they do represent this Pop OS as more of a developer type uh, um, OS. So, in my opinion, then. Um, it, it probably well. It's not going to be any issue for them at all. Nor was it an issue for me. But I was just thinking, um, you know, when you, we say pop, it just sounds light and airy, and you know, just a regular user yeah. versus developer, developer, dev- oh, Wait a minute, I shouldn't oh. say that. No. <laughs> developers, okay, that was, developers, developers, developer, That's all what Linux is That's about. A old Steve Ballmer joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so um, so that was that was um, one little. I'll call it a glitch. Um, And it was just simply when I clicked the uh, install button as part of that whole update uh, menu. So um, a couple of other little things here. Um, I'll comment that it
0: is really pretty. Like the Pop OS, like all the the way oh, the graphics and the, yeah. the the aesthetic of it. It
1: it, it was. Um, and I want to give them kudos for that because it was um, it was very modern looking. Um, sometimes you can get a you can get an operating system or a desktop environment that really looks a little dated. Uh, a lot of times that's just due because, due to the fact that the laptop or the machine that you've got it on may have some limited uh, capabilities, so they're not going to put any whiz bang um, uh, desktop on there. Uh, if if you can't handle it, so I mean that was kind of my take. Um, you know, I
0: got to admit when we heard they were announcing this, what over a year, year and a half ago, when they had some announcements a little bit that they were working on this, I'm mm-hmm. like, why? You know, mm-hmm. do we need another distro? I mean, we'll cover it, but <laughs> I'm impressed though. Well,
1: yeah, and, and the other thing too is it was interesting when the, when the updates first pop uh, first appeared on my screen, it was it just said I had three updates, and one was a. "Quote unquote system update," and then the other two were just without virtual box updates. So um, I clicked on the system update, and then all of a sudden I had three hundred updates. <laughs> <laughs> so you know they have it kind of wrapped up into uh, yeah. into just that category. So and that's kind of you know that's kind of nice, I guess. Um, let's see here, um, and and the desktop is very clean. I mean, there's not a lot of not a lot of stuff on it. And it uses uh, uses gnome, of course. Uh, I'm going to say three point two. Well, before I commit to that, um, I'll, uh, I'll wait till I take a look at eighteen oh four. Yeah,
0: um, see what they're using in the latest version.
1: Yeah. So anyway, but that's just a kind of a quick look at Pop OS. Something to kind of take a look at, and um, you know, I wasn't that impressed with uh, the GNOME desktop. Yeah, I mean, okay. once you're
0: once you're a KDE fan like myself, it's it's always a little different when you look at that.
1: But but you know, there's but the. But there's some nice things about it. I mean, yeah. it's you know, it's just not mine, not my type.
0: Um, I will comment. Don't Google search for uh, Pop OS because you'll find Popos Fiesta del del <laughs> it's, There we go. Uh, it's actually it's... Pop exclamation point space OS when you Google search, and that will land you on the right page. Or go to system76.com/pop. Mm-hmm. So. I'll throw that in there because I just typed in Pop-O-S, you know, because that's what I do, and <laughs> I found Pop-O-S.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Ready so for... that's my yeah. So that's my little quick look at Pop-O-S.
0: Interesting. I like it. I'm yeah. gonna take a look at it. Yeah. Let's move on to the news. Tech news and views. Tech news and views. Now, uh, do you want to start, Mary?
1: I I certainly can. Okay. Um, Firefox is, is going to be showing sponsored content that's personalized, but private. Yes. You know, and I tell you, you know, we, we use of course free browsers and, but developing those browsers and keeping them up and maintaining them and um, securing them and all of that takes time and money. Yes. So what's interesting about Firefox's approach is that, uh, you know, we all don't want to be tracked, or at least a lot of people don't. Maybe there's some, some who live their life online. But um, what's kind of interesting about Firefox's approach is that they are having all of this customization occur on the client side and not out on... Uh, on their server per se, so that so that they're able to then represent that it's private because it's really happening. It s- stays on the on your on your side of the things, right. rather than. Uh,
0: and and this is know. this is the uh, back and forth. And I'm gonna reach out to the crowd here for a show of hands. How many of you donate money to open source projects you use? i got a few people raise their hand on there. We don't and mean to
1: shame you guys. We're not
0: shaming at all, but it's one of those well, things. Well, I guess we
1: did, but we didn't mean and, to. <laughs> and
0: I do understand a lot of people but. have limited funds and maybe cannot. That is that is completely valid. And that's one of the things I like about Linux and the mm-hmm. open source is that you can get started and maybe it does turn into a career where you can give back to the community either by code, by writing help manuals, or sometimes by just throwing money at the project. There's many ways you can give back to an open source project. Um, but it's one of those things. They have not found enough support to make it really viable, so that's kind of why they're going down this path, and I, I've i seen a lot of hate for it. But the fact that they let you completely opt out of it without doing anything nefarious, there's always the worry, of course, that they'll say, Well, I too many users opted out, so let's force it down their throat. I mean, there is always that balance. I'll take a question in front, yes, that's it's kind of uh, I didn't dig. Yeah. I didn't dig into the real technical details, but they're keeping everything fairly anonymous so they can send information back up to them and they distribute it. It's, uh-huh. they, they, did, they put some thought into it. Um, I didn't read the technical details. I read an overview of it, but it looks like they put some thought into how to keep you anonymous. And the
1: underlying it. technology comes from Pocket, which uh, uh, if you've seen that, that's that little um, app that you can store your links and those kinds of things in that, yeah. uh, that you, uh, you use. Um, so, but it, it is, uh, apparently is going to be staying on the client side, and yeah. how uh, how well that succeeds, I guess, remains to be seen. Uh, and, and
0: the reality is, it's open source. If you don't like it, spin it up compile your own browser and start another fork of it. I mean, it's completely, there's other ones that have done this. It's uh, To me, that's a completely acceptable answer. And even Firefox, they're open source with a public license. So this is something you could do if you don't like it. You can recompile it without it even. Um, the source code is available to you. So they, And I understand this. They, they kind of have to make money because browsers are, Their operating systems now. We call them browser, because that's what we've always called them, but if you really dig under it, uh, you can run almost like a complete OS with HTML5. So you're talking about like high Mm -hmm. levels of things. That means a lot of code, a lot of programming to keep you secure needs to be implemented in there. Um, And this was shown in the Pwn uh, Pwn to Own challenge that they do every year, that their pockets just aren't as deep Mozilla Mozilla could not have the payouts as big as Chrome for uh, bug hunting and bounty hunting for finding bugs, which of course maybe you will, uh, Less than their security, because people. Well, why would I poke at it? I can't get a prize for it. I can sell it on the black market versus Chrome's like half million dollars if you can crack our stuff. I mean, they've offered some huge bounties that is just beyond the budget of Firefox. So it's kind of a money does come into play on these. We want these things to be secure, so I understand it. I'm compassionate to their situation that they can only do so much. So,
1: yeah. So good, uh, good comments. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, uh, calamari's. And for those of you who may not be aware, Calamari's is is a distro-agnostic installer, Um, although even though it's not under the KDE umbrella, I think it tends to be used uh, Mm -hmm. fairly frequently there. Um, They've been accepted in the Google Summer of Code, which is kind of cool. They're going to be um, uh, working with um, or doing some things more around the uh, LVM, Linux uh, Volume Manager, um, which apparently the the full-time developers that use that are... uh, it's something they're somewhat loath to deal with, but they're going to be, they have an intern, that, uh, a student, that's going to be working on that during the summer, so that's kind of cool. Um, I like seeing that. Yes. Um, the other thing, too, and we already talked about the hack in the hotel rooms. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing, too, is that uh, uh, the uh, Ubuntu 1810 codename is probably out of this world. Now, I saw this on OMG Ubuntu. Um, somebody has um, kind of taken the word cosmic, so, of course, the next word up is, I think, C, right? Yeah. After Bionic Beaver, C, Cosmic, something or other. So they're not sure uh, what, what's up there, but uh, they were talking about Cosmic Crocodile, uh, some other that, crazy names. So. I like that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see what's happening there.
0: I can go with Cosmic Crocodile. <laughs> yep.
1: Uh, then there is, uh, I don't know, Tom, if you're aware of this, but there's a, apparently there's either setting up or have uh, in the process of doing it a Wayback Machine for Source Code.
0: Ooh. Well, yes. I mean, Um, uh, the other side of it is... I can. I mean, I guess it comes to what you're looking at. So in GitHub, I can look at previous they're, releases.
1: Yeah, and they're talking. Uh, they're talking about the possibility of, of uh, doing that. This is an article I actually just found, and I wanted to just make a mention of it. So what I'll do is provide the link to it, so folks can read that um, in the show notes.
0: But that would be kind of interesting to to host it with mm-hmm. the Wayback Web Machine um, and things like that I. You know what I would love, and maybe if there's some way we can uh, organize this on the internet in some way to get old developers uh, that have old products out there and this directly related. To something me and uh, Jay were talking about with uh, mm-hmm. uh, games and the Orecho you know, games is can we get the source code to some of those old things? You know, if it's out of copyright, have the developer before they pass on uh, sign off on the source code and release it to the public, even if it was written in 1981. <laughs> it still might be interesting to see some of the code for that because mm-hmm. I know that's something um, archive.org, who's host the Wayback Machine, they keep an archive of a lot of old programs and things like that. Yep. Don't yeah, lose it to history.
1: <laughs> yep, yeah, and I think that's pretty much, uh, I've got a couple of quick, uh, you know, KD, KDE uh, live things that, uh, or KD, uh, KDE corner things um, okay. that I can talk about. Uh, K, uh, Kden Live Sprint News, they're um, going to be, uh, they got together in Paris recently and are going to be, uh, or uh, the developers to kind of talk, and, and sometimes, you know, having being face-to-face rather than uh, yeah. at a distance can really uh, amp up the uh, development uh, yeah, doing process
0: yeah getting a bunch so. of coders in a room together there's something about that still as much yeah. as we do things online there's still something about being in person yeah.
1: so that's <laughs> all i got
0: um i'll jump in here with xcp-ng 7.4.1 the free Libre zen server i was just gonna say that no yeah <laughs> um, good for you <laughs> so, yeah i've been i've been excited about this project and it actually started with uh Citrix Zen server had made the decision to not have things out for free anymore. So Citrix, uh, the commercial company, has been doing a support for the Zen project and the Zen hypervisor, um, and their spin of it has gotten more and more... Uh, weird licensing and pain in a butt matter of fact you can't even find a download link anymore for Zen server from Citrix unless you register with them that just to get the download links which I think is kind of wrong they've also removed the previous versions that didn't have these license requirements they've scrubbed them from their site and links and blog posts um, the more they push one way of course it's open source so fork them And that they did, XCP um, are the same people who are behind the Zen Orchestra project. So it is a free full spin of Zen server with all the features enabled that you can get for free. The business model that you have behind it is there is xcpng.org, which is the free Zen server, all source code included, and xcpng.com, which is if you'd like to buy support. So if you need help setting it up and configuring it. So that's kind of their, they have a business model behind it. You can buy paid support if you want, but all of our products are free. Um, and they give away a lot of tools so I'm gonna be doing some more reviews I've done some basic reviews of it but I'm gonna do some in-depth reviews uh, on those tool because uh, it's great I'm, I'm I like the way Zen server works and a lot of people in the commercial industry are always like all about VMware all the time and I'm like you know, Take a look at Zen. It's a really powerful tool. It is used commercially. It is a, has a pretty popular install base. I mean, not as big as VMware because they were first to market, but it's, it's still a great uh, virtualization product.
1: And Cubes, I think, uses Zen as its... Uh,
0: the yeah, I think in the internal. They use Zen internally mm-hmm. the, at the core of it. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't see this article on that you didn't have, though, about KDE5 Plasma... Their new updated stack should now be in good shape for free BSD ports.
1: You know, I did have that, actually. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, they've updated uh, kind of the way they packaged it. But I saved it it for you. Saved it for me. Uh, Mary, if you don't know, is a big free BSD fan. So uh, they're repackaged the way Plasma comes together, so it's going to be easier to port over to the BSD side of the world, which I think is pretty cool. That's an article over on Frontex. I've got a link in the show notes here for Building DIY. Building my ideal router for 50 bucks. I thought this was kind of a fun write-up, and it's uh, fairly detailed and in-depth, so I'm not going to cover every piece of it, but it's building your own Linux router. Uh, This guy did a nice uh, blog write-up, kind of steps you through um, how to build it, how to set it up, how to configure it, and getting everything going. Uh, it's, It's pretty slick, and all the tools he used, and, of course, some of the hardware that was used and involved in putting it together. So I thought that was pretty neat. Now, these two articles are directly related, and uh, everyone did send this to me and tweeted at me, and a lot of us. uh, So we covered it, but this is a little bit more in-depth on this. So the Microsoft has a Linux kernel. True, false. Yes, it is a Linux kernel. No, they're not trying to get into the desktop market. It's more specifically... um, They should. They should, yeah. It's more specifically the Azure Sphere and what Azure Sphere is, and maybe we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this at another show. Maybe it was a fresh looks. It's an interesting concept, and I think it's good for them to get in this. And it is one of the most free licenses they've given away. Um, this is a, a kernel designed for uh, basically small devices, IoT devices. So it's first time in a long time Microsoft's jumped into the ARM world. And I think it's good for the vendors because a lot of the vendors, the reason we have so many IoT security problems is because the vendors are not... Coders, they're not, they want to make their arm chips, they want to make you a toaster that connects to the internet. Um, but they, the operating system is a secondary thought, so they just grab whatever they can find, even if it was from three years ago, full of <laughs> security vulnerabilities, and start sticking it on uh, the device to get the device out the door. The IoT Sphere, they've worked with a lot of vendors, they're giving them a free uh, tool set uh, called Azure Sphere. Now, Microsoft's reason for doing this is not altruistic, per se, it's because it does tie into the Azure dashboard, and you can buy Azure services for it and everything else. So they have a money-making model where they give the software free, but for the hosting there, but it is interesting to see them getting into the market because we know the iot represents massive uh breaches in security because a lot of these botnets are running on toasters that have not been patched in years and they were probably (laughs) insecure from the day of the release so it's interesting we're going to keep watching the market and see how that does so they did get into the linux kernel development world a little bit but it's not in the way a lot of people think it's for these iots and of course the intent of it if you follow the money is to sell azure services so it's still kind of novel i got some show note links in there Um, Rebound, this was kind of neat. So who's ever coded something and uh, copy pasted right into Stack Exchange to figure out why that output is not what you expected. So yeah, I think everyone. uh, Rebound is a command line tool that instantly fetches Stack Overflow results when you get a compile error. And it's rather clever. It goes through and you dump it right to it and highlight it and then it jumps straight over it and starts pulling the stack over with the results. Now, all you need to do is, someone could probably take that and automate it and then if it could then find the best answer and then put it into your code on the line, let's, that's the next extension of this and then it'll start writing its own code. So you can kind of muddle your way through code at some point and I don't know, I just, press Enter a few times and it went out to the internet and fixed up the, the problem. I, I like where he's going with it. I think it still should be learned as a unit, a learning tool. Someone uh, was uh, flaming the person for saying, "No, you're ruining learning." I'm like, "Not really." I, the people who want to know, I mean, there's always those auto magical curl commands to install complete things. I like to look through all of them myself, but I already know there's someone who doesn't. Uh, I think it, if you're either that person who likes to look through all the code or you're not, and you are happy to copy paste anything anyone has into your code, you're going to do that, whether this tool makes it convenient or not. (laughs) Yeah, I see some people raising their hand on that. So I thought that was kind of, uh, it was was a pretty novel tool. I'll have a link in the show notes for that. Uh, And I'm trying to wrap my head around how all of it works. It's it's becoming popular. It's interesting. It's decentralized secure communications via the matrix system. Um, I'm I'm really trying to grasp how it all works and how it all integrates. I've been playing with it. I've right away signed up for an account and started talking to people. Picture IRC at the next level, and it's kind of neat. Um, i got to really dig into it. I, don't under- I understand it's easy to work. It's easy to get stuff from the top-level side. I want to know the mechanics behind it, so I've been starting to read through the documentation. It's really fascinating. Um, and the tool on top of it is called Riot. Uh, which is kind of an easy web interface to get you chatting online securely. And uh, so I really like it. Of course, it's got self-hosted options. It's got uh, peer hosting options where you can integrate different uh, chat rooms together. So it kind of distributes the chat room across several servers. Um, So it's it's a pretty neat project, but it's definitely, as much as I like IRC, i got to admit, the younger generation, they're not on it. And I kind of get worried occasionally when I see nothing but people over 50 using something. I'm like, "Um, we kind of do need a next generation at some point. (laughs) We would mentioned this about the BSD development. When you see nothing but older people contributing to it, we won't all live forever. There's just a fact right now we have to deal with. So I like to see uh, some. I I did notice a lot of younger developers are excited about this. So hopefully this will be something interesting. I'm not giving up on IRC. I'll still be on there. Um, And, yes, they have bridges uh, to connect it to IRC so we can pull the other people into and have great communication this is better than slack because this is what a lot of people have defaulted to is using slack and other proprietary systems Um, this is nice it's all open source open communication open protocols and lots of encryption built in so definitely something we're going to keep a watch on and dig into and uh, you know i'll I'll share my knowledge as i gain it right now i'm at the i signed up for an account stage and it was cool (laughs) and that's what i have for the news oh uh we didn't talk really about a podcast, but the hotel hack first, uh, the sky is not falling, although it does make a great headline that uh, all these hotels are insecure. Um, but I will cover real quick how the hack works. Uh, they have to take a, a number of old, disposed of, or even current uh, card, room key cards. Now because the room key cards are serialized, they can uh, derive what the keys are for the site code with enough of them. So there's really not enough entropy in the RFID tag of the card. So once they use these RFID readers and they have enough data, they can start making assumptions. And then they can make those, take those assumptions to the next level because the card numbers are serialized. And the way they're serialized is so when I program a card at the front desk and I hand it to you so it opens just your room, um, that serialization is what they're attacking because there's only so many key combinations. It does have decent amount of security, but if they learned if they have enough cards, they can derive the key code that's for that site and then start the attack of serialized numbers on there. So there's going to be, uh, they haven't released full details, so it's just been some reverse engineering to put this together, but it's still uh, fascinating. But The good news is it takes a lot of hardware. It took a lot of effort to do this. Uh, the person is not making all the code public for people just to go ahead, download and do so. They're they're cautious about it because um, they really they want to make awareness that the, it, with a determined enough person it can happen. But it still takes. It's not like you can just walk up to any room and just walk in. So it's it's still not arbitrary, but it's there. And as we know, once it starts, it <laughs> yeah. only gets better. <laughs>
1: yeah. So so just use your sec- the security ha- uh, latch that's on your door. Yes. Yeah. That's how you fix that.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and, and it all started with the guy who uh, lost the laptop that was removed from his room. Um, always, and we talked about this in our last security talk, encrypt, encrypt, encrypt. That way it is an inconvenience and an anger thing mm-hmm. when your laptop is lost, but not a security breach. So still, still keep in mind for all that. That's right. All right, and that's all I got for the news.
1: All right. Well, I think we've... Uh, Come down to the end. We've co- yeah, we've pretty much covered it. Yeah. So
0: I think that's it for the Sunday. I don't even know what time it is. Oh, 10 o'clock. It's uh, ten o'clock. And I'm cold. Yeah. <laughs> it is. This is our second room, and it's it's warmer than the first room, that's but right. it is not exactly warm in here. We would love to thank everyone uh, for the yes. audience in here that joined yeah. us. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll be around hand. here, ping around. Everyone wants to chat with me, talk to me about uh, really anything. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out too to uh, 5150s in the back over there. That's right. He's yes. in the
1: house. Yes.
0: Yep. So All right. Well, all right. You've been so, listening to
1: The Sunday Morning Linux Review. This was episode 274, mm-hmm. Cinco Penguinos. This is Mary Tomich. And Tom Lawrence. We'll see you next time. Thank you. You've been listening to The Sunday Morning Linux Review. If you would like more information about this or other shows, go to smlr.us. Feel free to send comments to show at smlr.us. Or give us a call at 734-258-7009. I'm John Miller. If you don't like it,
0: you can bite my 8-bit metal ass. That's bite with a Y.